5: This is the best of the Ben Maller Show on Fox Sports Radio.
4: Call it a mixed bag. Welcome in the beginning of another edition of the Ben Maller Show. We are side by side in the air everywhere as we bite our tongue coast to coast, border to border and beyond on the vast and powerful microphones of FSR emanating live from inside your eardrums, providing marginal sports talk radio all night long. The Fox Sports Radio studios at a secret location in the Northwoods. So is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? We had the conclusion, the final game on the card for week seven. Of the NFL season, we head to the Pacific Northwest, a game that was played in mud, thick mud. Jameis Winston in the Saints, continuing the post-Drew Brees era visiting Seattle for a date with Geno Smith, a quarterback matchup that only Mama would have loved. Uh, there boy, a couple of uh, questionable quarterbacks. Now, Winston has an opportunity in New Orleans. He doesn't seem to be taking advantage of it. And Geno Smith, who's just a temporary quarterback in an emergency situation. Not a lot of juice. Not a lot of juice in this game. Let's be honest here. Right Now, did you watch? Wasn't much else on. There was some random NBA games. Uh, I did. I watched. We have your back. You don't have to worry about it. We checked it out. Someone named Brian Johnson, a rather generic name. you imagine... You're a little kid. You grow up to be a professional athlete, and you've got the same name as 18,000 other people. Brian Johnson kicked a 33-yard field goal with less than two minutes remaining. This is his, the guy's NFL debut, and that was the final body blow as the Saints taking advantage of the generosity of Seattle mistakes. It was a miscue there, a blooper here, a blooper everywhere, 13-10. to 10. What's the final? 23 points were scored in an NFL game, and it wasn't the 1980s or the 1970s, it was the 2020s. and 23 total points. So Seattle with the loss, they dropped to two and five. Alvin Kamara was the show. 179 all-purpose yards and a touchdown as New Orleans gets the win. They improved to four and two, four and two. So let us discuss the question. What stood out? to you most in the Saints win over the Seahawks. So I've got paper bag, red button, and neighborhood. And we will combine all of these things together into a nice, neat hubba hubba. Mallard monologue. Now, A, we start on the dark side. That would be the Seahawks side. The better story isn't losing locker room, so we always start there with rare exception. It was, the word is uncomfortable. Watching Geno Smith play quarterback. Not that we were surprised, right? If you've ever watched the NFL with Geno Smith, you know that this is the norm. You knew going in, this is what you were going to get. Seattle was going to be sputtering on offense without Russell Wilson. And sure enough, on cue, that's exactly what happened. Garbage. But even with that said, this is the type of performance if you value the backup quarterback position. You take Geno Smith into your office. You say, Geno, we thank you. I think you're a fine person. We wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Here's a nice pink slip. This guy's completely overmatched. There has to be someone better. And even if there's no one better, a lateral move would be the way to go because who knows how long Russell Wilson's going to be out. There's optimistic people saying he's going to come back. There's always a chance at setbacks and that that is bull crap and he won't come back. When he's supposed to come back. But Geno Smith, watching him play, he needed a paper bag. He was hyperventilating. And you could tell the Seahawks sideline knew we have no chance. You saw the look on the face of that Seahawks offense and, and in the huddle and then on the sidelines. And it was like, oh my, hyperventilating. Let's go to the numbers. Now, the overall numbers don't look as bad as they actually were. The numbers were skewed. Now, Geno Smith was sacked five times in this game, but the the reason the numbers are all wonky is because of a broken coverage in the Saints' secondary. DK Metcalf rumbling and stumbling. He went 84 yards for a touchdown early in the game, but outside of that play, Geno Smith averaged less than four yards per pass attempt. If you take away the one broken coverage, when the Saints played straight-up defense against Seattle, he averaged less than four yards in attempt, 39 His passer rating was 62.2. That's it. It was so bad that Pete Carroll raised the white flag and played hide the quarterback on offense. They just kept running, 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 running. They didn't want to even attempt to throw the ball with Geno Smith at one stretch in the game. It was that pathetic. All right, now part B of this. Even with nothing from the quarterback position, and if I ran the Seahawks, I would fire Geno Smith, as I said. The Seahawks still had opportunities to win this game. And they then proceeded to hit the red button. You're never supposed to hit the red button. Why do you not hit the red button? The red button is the red self-destruct button. And sure enough, they hit the red button and a glitch popped up, a malfunction. And the Seattle defense, the much maligned, rightfully so Seattle defense, the the biggest bonehead plays came on what turned out to be the game-deciding drive when the Seahawks were penalized for a roughing the passer penalty, and they also jumped off sides on a field goal attempt, what would have been a long field goal attempt, and both those penalties keeping the New Orleans offense on the field, giving them first downs, and that eventually set up what was the game-winning kick by the rather nondescript Brian Johnson, coming right out of the two-minute warning there, so... Seattle, they were out of timeouts also at the end of the game. They did not have their full assortment of timeouts because of some decisions Geno Smith had made, not managing the clock there, and they uh, screwed it up. This was a poorly coached performance by Pete Carroll. His team was the S-word, sloppy. You could also use the other S-word, but we're not allowed to say it. Now, the last word here. So the Saints, let's go over to the winner's side for a second. The Saints get the victory on a typical Seattle night. In October, where it's rainy and on the cool side, and that's what you expect in Seattle this time of the year. In normal times, to go on the road and win a game in that city is a feather in the cap, but not right now. Not at this time. Not on this night. So, if you're one of those people who, say, whoa, my God, the Saints went into Seattle and won a game. That's a big, big. No, it's not a big win. Pump the brakes. All right, pump. The Brakes on that will uh, pumpity-pump the Brakes, uh, not a big one. Uh, and New Orleans, well, they certainly are a playoff contender at 4-2. and two. If you look at the landscape around the NFL and the NFC in particular, they are a middleweight contender, not a heavyweight contender. They are shaping up at this point with a lot of football still to go. But they are, at this moment, looking like the type of team that will get in as a wild card and then make a quick exit stage right. They're they're not in the same neighborhood as teams like the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Packers, teams like that that are the legitimate top teams in the NFC. And Jameis Winston, he's got to do better. I'm pulling for Jameis Winston, but I'm also not going to be one of these toadies here, these these, uh, guys that come in here and they're just, Blind cheerleaders. I know a lot of the media working overtime to come up with excuses, blaming others. Do the receivers think? Yes. Is Michael Thomas going to walk through that door at some point? It looks like he will eventually walk through that door. Does that mean, though, that until that happens, Jameis Winston is insulated from any criticism? Uh, I'm shaking my head. Uh, No. Uh, Not on this show. On other shows uh, that uh, are jock sniffers, yes. But. Checking down to Alvin Kamara or just running the entire offense, the entire passing game through your running back does not impress. Right? He he was not going against the Legion of Boom. Let's remember Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancellor were not walking through that door in Seattle. Jameis Winston was going against a Seahawks defense that has been an eyesore all season. The numbers are there. Look at the numbers. Right, right, 27th in pass defense. 27th. Winston averaged barely over six yards per attempt, had a passer rating of 83. Game manager. Game manager. Seattle's defense was giving up right around 25 points per game. The Saints, they went to the final two minutes to get to 13 points. New Orleans offense ran 10 drives against that pathetic Seattle defense. And on those 10 drives, six of them ended in a punt. One of the drives ended on a fumble. Two field goals and one touchdown. The final, the 11th drive was just to run out the clock, so I don't even count that one. Uh, It's fair to say Jameis Winston has a lot of room to improve. And if he does not improve, at some point Taysom Hill will come back. He's he's dinged up right now, but Taysom Hill will come back. And then Sean Payton will be tempted to mix and match. So Winston has to take advantage of this, and you had an opportunity there. The Seahawks were 32nd overall in total defense. They were bad against the pass. Overall, they were the worst team in football. They had, as a team, defensively given up 433 yards per game, and the Saints mustered 304 yards. So 129 yards less than an average Seahawks performance there on 68 offensive plays. But you get the point. I'm being repetitive here. I can keep coming up with different ways of saying this is the same thing, but Jameis Winston, uh, if he plays like this against Tampa and the Saints and Bucks have a divisional matchup coming up, then New Orleans will get run off the field. They will lose that game by 20 points if Winston plays like this. Now, certainly room there. The, the Buccaneers are not a great defensive team either, so there's opportunity there to, to make some noise. Uh, but this was whew, this is a win and it counts at the end of the year, but not all that impressive. Not all that impressive. All right, it is the Ben Maller Show as we press on. Let's hear from some of the key figures that played in this Monday night game. We'll start with Pete Carroll serving up sloppy Pete's in this game. Not sloppy Joe's, sloppy Pete's. Normally a uh, now they did win the money, so I don't want to be too hard on Pete because I did bet on Seattle and I won the bet because the Saints. When I got to bed, it was at 5, so I was happy they covered. But uh, they didn't win the game, and here is Pete Carroll on his team's ineptitude.
2: Well, we've come in here a number of times here and uh, really had uh, very similar results in that we're, we're not getting the game when we have a chance to get the football game. that's out there for us. And uh, it's really difficult because we're so close to, to winning games, and, and uh, we haven't been able to do it at home for sure, which uh, is a real shock.
4: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of variables in the NFL, but the, the margins are extremely thin. And you will find out, you watch this a long time, maybe you already have watched it a long time, that when you have razor-thin margins, and even the bad teams and the somewhat good teams are separated by millimeters, when you have Geno Smith quarterback, that is the difference right there. And so the fact that Seattle has lost some close games and last week, they went down to, to Pittsburgh by a field goal. This week, they go down to the Saints by a field goal. And you go down the list here. They lost a, a game to Tennessee by a field goal. So three losses by one one field goal. Doesn't matter. Bad teams lose close games. Good teams win close games. And that's all the more proof that this team is not that good when they get queasy in these close games and don't don't pull them out. They lost by more than two scores against the Rams. They won by a touchdown against the 49ers and won comfortably against the Colts. But in the close games, they have not fared well, have not fared well. All right, it is the Ben Maller Show. Let's hear from more of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Who else do we have here? Let's see, page down, page down. Let's hear from Geno Smith, who somehow believes he did a good
6: job.
7: I think we had spurts where we were really good. And then I think we had times where we didn't finish. You know, we were moving the ball, you know, some costly, uh, you know, sacks where, you know, kind of put us out of position, a couple penalties that we'd, we'd like to not have. But overall, I mean, with the elements and everything else, you know, not to make any excuses, but I, I think we moved the ball pretty well.
8: Yeah. And
4: if you want to know what a cockeyed optimist sounds like uh, from the old Broadway musical, that, that would be Geno Smith. And I, I like I'm not here to make any excuses. While making excuses, right? In the process of making excuses while saying you're not making excuses. That's good. All right, here's one more from uh, Geno Smith, and he's saying, hey,
7: it's all about me. It's all about me. Being a quarterback, you got to put the team in the best position to win. Whatever I got to do to get the ball out or, you know, evade, you know, the sack or whatever I have to do to not have that happen, you know, that's a part of my job. You know, I put that solely on myself. Honestly, and, and I got, you know, big enough shoulders. I'll take it all. You know, you can put the blame right at my feet, man. I'm not worried. Uh, I know I'm going to get better. I know I'm going to fix it. You know, whatever it is, I'm going to do whatever, <laughs> you know, I need to do to make sure that we get a win.
1: Go Hawks. Go Hawks.
4: There you go. Imagine imagine how bad you'd feel if you were a Seahawks season ticket holder. Watching that. Geno Smith. Will he be poleaxed by Pete Carroll? No, of course. Right. They'll stick with
7: it's time for y'all go to bed.
4: Yeah, the Seahawks season. Turn out the lights. The party's over. Man. Tough division to be in. Tough division to be in. Well, maybe you can finish ahead of the 49ers. It's a neck and neck race between the, the Niners and the Seahawks there um, to avoid.
7: Go to sleep. Avoid the <laughs> cellar.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100 percent sure yet what to write.
3: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists.
0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
8: The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the zen 10 Challenge. Order online at That's Zyn.com. That's zy to start your new journey today with the Zyn 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
9: Terms and conditions apply.
4: Play ball for the final time. The curtain about to come down on the baseball postseason. Welcome come in the beginning of another hour of the ben mather show we are together in the air everywhere as we stumble across the dial coast to coast border to border in beyond on the vast and mighty powerful microphones of fsr emanating live from behind the wheel driving in the fast lane the Fox Sports Radio studios at a secret location in the North Woods. All quiet in the Western Front. The calm before the hardball storm. Well, some are, some are calling it that. Are you excited? You can cut the tension with a plastic butter knife. Our lead this hour comes from baseball. We are just hours away from the first pitch of the 2021 World Series. Woo! The Cheating Astros. A lesson to all the children that you can cheat, not get punished for it, and return to the top of your profession. They are playing host to the upstart, starless Atlanta Braves. And this series will begin in Houston, a matchup of teams that for years were in the same Division, the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros, the National League West rivals back in the day. And then years ago, they realigned baseball. And so they haven't played in some time, but here they are together again. And the question, are you planning to watch? Are you planning to watch? You're a casual baseball fan. Are you going to give some of the most valuable commodity that you have your time to watch a cheating franchise like the Astros and then the Atlanta Braves lacking their top player. Maybe not. Maybe you're not going to watch. Now, we will watch for you. We get paid to do it. That's why we're going to watch. Uh, So let us discuss. The question, let's take the temperature in the room. Here's the question. What is your level of interest in watching the 2021 World Series between the Braves and cheating Astros? So on the Maller scale of excitement, 1-10, to with 10 being the anticipation of the presents you were about to open on your ninth birthday, the highest level of excitement, the fall classic gets a three. It gets a three on the Mahler scale of excitement and no higher, not a single point higher than a three. That's it. Now, my observations, you've got black eye, endangered and motley crew. And we will combine all of these things together and we will make pumpkin pie. This is the week to eat pumpkin pie. Now pumpkin pie is not the greatest pie. It's not even in my top three pies, but this is the week Halloween week to eat the pumpkin pie. Now, number one, one. the cheating Astros franchise being back in the world series in a word, is ridiculous. Now, the low-information fan doesn't grasp this, but anyone with a sense of, uh, of common sense knows that this is a testimonial. The Astros being in the World Series is a testimonial to the incompetence at the league office led by Rob Manford. This World Series, if you like schadenfreude, for Major League Baseball corporate, this World Series is the gold standard for the commissioner of baseball, if the owners had any gumption, they would remove Rod Manford as commissioner of baseball because of this World Series. Of course, they won't do that. They don't have any spine. But the guardian of the game, failing to protect, the one thing he's hired to do other than get the owner's money is protect the integrity of the game. He didn't do it. Didn't do it. Every time I see Jose Albuve, Alex Bregman, his punchable face, and that snot-nosed loser, Carlos Correa, when I see these guys running around out on the field, you know what I think? I think right there, baseball has lost it. They've lost their way, right? Anybody, and those were the, the big three. And these are the leaders. These are the leaders of this cheating franchise. They all took part in the espionage scandal. They were not punished. And seeing them return to the World Series yet again is a gigantic black eye for the sport of baseball. Not only that, it is a kick in the nuts. These guys not only cheated, they rubbed their noses in it. They rubbed their noses. They said, Yeah, 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 you take that. No punishment. The fans demanded punishment. Everywhere these losers went, boo. Trash kids. Major League Baseball had to hire extra security. It was rambunctious where these guys went on the road. It was a circus. And baseball protected them, just like they protected them when they got caught cheating. Remember, never forget, Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred's operation investigated the Astros. There were complaints that they were cheating. And baseball looked into it, said they found nothing wrong with what the Astros were doing. If it hadn't been... For an American sporting hero, Mike Fires, who came out and spilled the beans, if it hadn't been for him, they'd still be going, bang, bang, whistle, whistle. In fact, how do we know they're not? There are active players. There was a member on the Chicago White Sox, a member of the White Sox pitching staff, who intimated, these guys are still up to something. And why wouldn't you be up to something? They didn't get punished. They didn't get punished. And here they are on the supposed grandest stage of them all. Joke. It's an absolute joke. Now, secondly, on the other side, another piece of embarrassment for Major League Baseball, the Atlanta Braves. Now, on the surface, what a great story. The Atlanta Braves, a team that overcame a bunch of injuries to get to the World Series, but I guarantee you, behind closed doors, there are multiple executives at Major League Baseball who are cringing that the Braves are in the World Series. Now, we are obviously pulling for the Atlanta Braves, for multiple reasons. Mainly, they are the lesser of two evils. As the old saying goes from World War II, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So go Braves. Right? Major League Baseball decision makers, though, the reason they're uncomfortable is not because the Braves don't have a following. The Braves have a national following. When I was a kid, I watched the Atlanta Braves on TV because I'm of the superstation generation. So I watched the Braves for many years. I'd come home from school and... And being on the West Coast, the Braves games are on TV and I check them out. But baseball at the corporate level went woke. They took the All Star game out of Atlanta because of voting laws they did not approve of. They got political. They sent the game to Colorado, which ironically has similar voting laws in that state. And so, he, Rob Manford and the people at baseball, if you read some of those comments back when this happened, They were talking about how they were going to have no Jewel events in the state of Georgia and all this stuff. Well, now Manford and his cronies have to uh, return to Georgia with their tails between their legs as the Braves host the Jewel of Jewel events, the Crown Jewel, the World Series. Now, if that was not enough, but wait, there's more. In addition to baseball being uncomfortable with that, you have the cancel culture mob, outraged. the Atlanta Braves nickname even exists. Now, these people have successfully bullied Major League Baseball to change the Cleveland Indians' nickname. They've also successfully bullied the NFL to dump the Washington Redskins' nickname. The Atlanta Braves are on the endangered list. The Wokorati, like vultures, circling overhead. When they see the Braves, and I guarantee this will be a story that will be bouncing around over the next couple of weeks as the World Series it starts in, in Houston, but once it gets back to Atlanta... Uh, the Wokarati guys in the media are going to need therapy dogs when the Atlanta fans start chanting and doing the tomahawk chop during big spots. Oh my God! It's oh, it's fire and brimstone. The heathens, blasphemy, guarantee. All right, final point. So as far as the X's and O's, if you will, of this series, are lacking the biggest star, the biggest legitimate star. The Astros have a bunch of cheating stars. They they're, they're not, none of them are going to the Hall of Fame. I hope we all understand that, that Altuve, Bregman, and uh, Correa not Hall of Famers. But the biggest star around, Ronald Acuna Jr. Not playing. Not playing. So the Braves, and I saw this firsthand against my Dodgers. I saw the Braves, uh, the games in L.A. They turned to the Motley crew. They traded for not one, not two, not three. How about four guys? Now, not only to replace Ronald Acuna Jr., but... Here's another thing baseball doesn't want you talking about. Marcelo Zuna, who got into a domestic abuse situation, which some of it was recorded for posterity's sake. And Marcelo Zuna and Okuna Jr. were the two big stars of the Braves. Both obviously gone Okuna for injury. Zuna, because he beat up uh, a woman. But Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, great former Dodger, Jock Peterson, and Jorge Salar all came in collectively. Those guys hit 44 home runs and had an OPS of over 800 in Atlanta uniforms. They were better. The the numbers they put up were better than Acuna and Ozuna. Now, the brightest star in October has been, been a former Minnesota twin, Eddie Rosario who was non-tendered. You talk about the great, savvy front office of the Minnesota Twins there. Non-tendered by the Twins last offseason. You talk about being on the pulse of talent in baseball, the Twins front office. Now, to be fair, Eddie Rosario had been in the playoffs with Minnesota a few times. Nothing memorable came out of that. But he he then was let go by the Twins. He goes to the Cleveland Indians, who then... After seeing Rosario for about half the season say, well, he's not that good. Let's get rid of him too. And let's get rid of his salary. So then he ends up in Atlanta, and he has been a sensation of the Atlanta Brave Nation. It's, it's nuts what he did against the Dodgers. It's, uh, it's, who's your daddy? Now, Freddie Freeman, been around a long time. Freddie Freeman gets his first crack at the Fall Classic. He had the unfortunate timing of coming into Atlanta after the glory day, as the Braves baseball had ended, uh, but the Braves they have a similar resume to the Washington Nationals. Now they don't have the same makeup uh, as a team, but they have a similar resume. In fact, remember the Nationals a couple of years ago—they got off to a poor start and they were floundering, and then they cranked it up a couple of notches, got to the World Series. Now they had Max Scherzer back before his arm became dead, uh, and they had good starting pitching. That particular team. In Washington, but the Atlanta Braves, after 107 games this year, were three games under 500, playing in a marshmallow soft division, the National League East, where you had pathetic teams like the Mets and the Phillies and the Nationals. Bad division. It's a bad division this year, and there they were floundering. Garbage. And they made a bunch of moves since the trade deadline. The Atlanta Braves, 42 and 22. Since the trade deadline, and if you played that out over the whole year, they would have been on pace to win 160 games, but woulda, coulda, shoulda. But all of that is prologue. All of that is prologue. The Braves are the interlopers. They will ride the wave. The great thing about baseball, I like it now. I didn't like it last series, but I like it now. The randomness of baseball. And it's working. The slop that the Braves are putting out there in the pitching staff is working. Now, are they a fluke? Yes. But does that mean they can't win the World Series? No. And I do get a kick, and I I mentioned this earlier in the show, the baseball media knows you cannot prop up Altuve, Bregman, and Correa. Here's the apocalypse there for the Astros. So instead, the baseball media has pivoted to try to prop up Dusty Baker because he's uh, one of the few people that has, I guess, a few scruples left uh, in the Houston cheating locker room but i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get out my ouija board and i'm gonna have a conversation with skip Carey, pete van Waren, and don sutton those are the guys i remember watching on uh, tv back in the day when the braves were on the super station and we'll, we'll we'll get it done for the next two weeks go braves go Go Braves, go! Go Braves, go! F L Duve, F L F L Bay! It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. See them lose again, or will they be cheating again in the World Series? Hmm, I don't know. They've done it before. Maybe they'll do it again.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. Hey, it's
6: me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast,
7: Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every
4: Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob
2: Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. The
8: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters—
9: Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
5: It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. This is when Big Ben gets grilled.
4: And right over to the Koopa Loop, this portion of the Ben Maller Show made possible by Discover Card. We believe a better tomorrow is possible for everyone to discover something brighter.
6: So Mark Sanchez upset a a lot of Lions fans on Sunday when he said that Matthew Stafford wasn't appreciated in Detroit. Uh, He later backtracked a bit and said that he meant that Stafford was overlooked by national media until reaching L.A. Do you think that's true, Ben? All right. So my advice to any
4: Lion fan in Michigan offended is to do what I do. When I don't like a broadcaster, and I don't really. I've not watched Mark Sanchez enough to get an opinion on him. But if I don't like somebody, I hit the mute button. What was that what was that woman that was on Sunday Night Baseball for years? I didn't listen to Sunday Night Baseball for years. She annoyed me, so I just hit the mute button. Uh, it's very simple, right? But you don't have to listen to the commentary. You can watch the game without the commentary. And there's no reason to take Matthew Stafford. You know, you know, to take what is said by Mark Sanchez about Matthew Stafford seriously, the Lions were never a legit contender. The Rams are the first legit Super Bowl team that Stafford is on. We'll see how he does.
6: But, you know, just hit the mute button. Next! We've been speculating on the Padres' new manager since before uh, Jace Tingler was even fired. Uh, Bruce Bochy was a popular name for a while, but now it's being reported that Mike Sosha is going to emerge as a candidate. Ben, what are the odds that this would happen, and do you think it would be a good move? Uh, so the odds are low 15%. And the, the main reason he has no analytical backing.
4: Baseball's all about the analytics, social will be a throwback. He's got a lot of friends in the media, old cadre, you know, cadre baseball writers and all that. But it the odds are pretty low.
6: Next. Ben, this next one might surprise you. Nets head coach Steve Nash thinks that the new foul rules are unfair to James Harden. He claims that even though Harden is still getting fouled, the refs are hyper aware of the rules when he has the ball. Do you think the rules are being uh, enforced unfairly? It's
4: it's a small sample size. The rules are working. The NBA is getting what the NBA wanted—less foul shots. James Harden has to adapt, or he's going to die. How do we do, Coop? He passed this edition.
5: That's a winner. <laughs> Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Now, <laughs> Mallers Mountain of Money. Lord, that's a lot of money. Do you have what it takes to get to the top? Probably not.
4: And here we go, Mallers Mountain of Money. Let's welcome in our contestants from Lost Wages, Nevada. We say hello to Big Mike. Hello, Big Mike in Sin City. Hello, man. Hello, Mike. How's life treating you, pal? Uh, if it treated me any better, I'd be, uh, I'd be Eddie. But not Eddie Garcia. <laughs> oh, a, yeah. Is it true, Big Mike, that you will be taking over as the next interim coach of the Raiders? that is what i plan to do uh but uh, right now i'm just going to have to uh be mum on the word uh under the uh, uh silence clause uh, that uh the uh NFL uh and huh? my dot NFL account has uh, huh? uh held me bound to Oh boy, you're speaking gibberish. Okay, hold on a sec, Big Mike. Lyle in Indiana. Hello, Lyle. Good morning. Good morning to you, Lyle. It's a big state, that state of Indiana, the Hoosier State. What part are you from?
3: the uh, northeast corner, a little spot called Angola.
4: A little spot in the northeast corner. All right. Well, very good. Well, welcome in here, Lyle. And uh, Big Mike's a regular. What do you do though in, in that little spot there in northeast Indiana? I'm actually
9: at work right now sitting at my machine
6: talking to the Well now we can't hear you. Why, no, what's going on here? Is it, uh, we, we, we were hearing you loud and clear, but now you're all muffled. Are you covering oh. the mouthpiece? What the hell is going on here?
4: I, we need Andrea on right now. There must be something with some kind of star system. There's a full moon or something. All right, can we hear? Hello, Lyle. Test one, two. Hello, Lyle. Ah! Oh,
6: no! Now we're screwed. Now we're screwed. You, uh, hold on. He might be calling back. Hold on. All right.
4: Coop's going to try to figure this out. You're listening to live radio. This is a professional. This is network radio. This is not local radio. We are trained professionals. Right now, this is being broadcast on over 400 radio stations in 165 countries. Wow. All the ships at sea. All right, let's put Mitchell on. Why not? Beggars can't be choosers. Hello, Mitchell.
5: Hey, what's up, Ben? <laughs> there he is. Okay.
4: All right, Mitchell's a regular. Big Mike, who do you want to partner up with? Quickly, please. Quickly, we wasted you some time. Ben, here. Big Ben. <laughs> oh boy, how great am I? All right, uh, and, and and you, Mitchell, who do you want to partner up with, Mitchell? I'm gonna do you a favor, Ben. I'm gonna take Eddie. All
6: right, thank you for that. And what is
4: that's uh, give the board quickly, Coop, so we can just right. come back and play uh, the game. This
6: yeah. is the Craig Robinson edition. He turns fifty or He turned fifty years old. Turns fifty years old today. Uh, the categories are the office. Pineapple Express, Hot Tub, Time Machine, and This Is The End. Big Mike, you're on first. Which category would you like? Uh, the Office. All right. And Mitchell, okay. how about you?
5: This is the end.
6: All right. You got it. All right, everyone, hold on. We're going to have Mallers'
4: Mind
5: of Money. We'll get to it, and we will do it next. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific.
4: And right to the game we go. It is time now for Maller's Mount of Money, the Craig Robinson edition, and the teams have already been set. So let's get right into the game action. It's Big Mike in Vegas and me, Ben, and Lyle. Uh, Lyle, and I hung up, so we've got our buddy in. You're in Cincinnati, right?
5: No, a place called Irons in Ohio. It's about a hundred miles from Cincinnati. Right. All right,
4: yeah, you're with you're with Eddie. That's fine. All right, here we go. Let's play the game. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs>
6: we don't get specific. Okay. All right, uh, big it's broadcasting, Mike. not narrow casting. Big Mike Please. and Ben, you have the office. That is your category. You're gonna. Yeah. You need the first and last name of the athlete in order to receive points. You're gonna have 45 seconds on the clock. Okay. These athletes are all from <laughs> Pennsylvania, not necessarily Scranton, but all Pennsylvania. Forty-five seconds on the clock. Begin. All right. Uh, the star of the Lakers died
4: in a helicopter accident. Kobe Bryant. Quarterback for the Dolphins in the nineteen eighties, number thirteen. All right. Uh, Bro- Broadway was his nickname. He played quarterback for the Jets in the nineteen sixties. Yes, Mister October for the Yankees. Reggie Jackson. Okay, a golfer, his name is now a drink. Mix lemonade and iced tea, and you get a... That's Arnold
3: Palmer. Palmer.
4: Yeah, uh, the man for the Cardinals, for the St. Louis Cardinals, an outfielder. Sam Usual. Yes, a running back for Syracuse, the first Black Heisman winner. Pass. Pass, all right. Well, you don't need to pass.
6: That one was was Ernie Davis, um, and you, you missed Dan Marino. Uh,
4: Not a lot of people know who Dan Marino is.
5: <laughs> well, I, Dan Marino.
6: I, I wouldn't. You didn't hear it.
5: I, no, didn't, I didn't
4: hear, hear you I, say Dan Marino. I, I, I
3: wish I wish did. Dan, I said Dan Marino. Did you
6: mumble? But, but, did you mumble it? All right. Well, anyway, you still have a decent score—two hundred and twenty points. Yeah. Uh, we move all over. All right.
3: I'm a Pittsburgh boy. I said Dan Marino. <laughs> okay.
6: All right. We've got we've got Mitchell and Eddie. Uh, this is the end. That was the category you selected. Uh, These athletes recently retired. 45 seconds on the clock. Ready, begin. Former
3: Chargers quarterback. He has like 12 kids. Phillips. What's his last name?
5: Uh, (laughs) Pass.
3: Former NBA big man from Spain. He won titles with Kobe Bryant. His brother Mark is an NBA player. Paul GaSall, yes, uh, former NFL tight end, uh, white guy, mostly with the Panthers. Now he's a broadcaster for Fox. Pass. Uh, lying, cheating outfielder for the Brewers, the Hebrew Hammer. Ryan Braun, uh-huh. uh huh. Former Duke sharpshooter, he goes by his initials. Uh, he played for the Magic and the Clippers and the Sixers. No clue. Mm.
6: No clue. Is that the answer? I
3: no think clue. It is. First name no, last name clue.
6: That quarterback Phillips, love him. Uh, you missed. You missed Philip Rivers, uh, and ten, Greg, you missed a ten point question. Greg Olson and <laughs> JJ Reddick. Uh, so you're up again, Mitchell. Oh good. some ground Hurry, to make up, up. Hurry up! Pineapple Express or Hot Tub Time Machine?
9: Uh, Pineapple Express.
6: <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, these athletes are all from Hawaii. Forty-five seconds on the clock. Begin.
3: Quarterback for the Dolphins out of Alabama. Close enough. Uh, won the Heisman at Oregon. He's now the backup for the Raiders. Was with the Titans. I can't think of his name. That's good because we're playing a game. You have to give names. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame. Yay! Notre Dame linebacker. Fake dead girlfriend. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> You're an absolute moron if you don't Eddie, know that. stay one. focused. Steady. Notre Dame linebacker. Yeah, fake your- dead girlfriend. <laughs> we talked about this story for months.
5: <laughs>
3: idiot. <laughs> <laughs> You're a moron. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, (laughs) seriously
4: Uh, I mean come on you know what I want to thank Lyle in Indiana for hanging up uh, because we really would not have gotten this Lyle without your phone dying there Uh wow. Mount Garcia goes kaboom. Uh, Poor it, Mitchell. Man. He's such a nice guy.
6: It's okay, let's, Mitchell.
3: No, it's let's not. Let's run up the score. Don't, let's don't, run up the score. Don't, don't, come on. Cope, come, Coop, come on. Don't do that, Coop. Come on. Let's it's run up the score. It's
7: not okay. okay. Yeah. I want to score.
3: Manti Teo. Manti <laughs> Teo. Uh, <laughs> Mitchell. Mitchell. Mitchell score. Idiot! Uh, Manti-Tay-O! i am trying to run up the score, and you're not allowing no. me to run up Mente the score! manti Teo!
4: I do don't Mente care about Manti-Tay-O! Manti-Tay-O! am trying teo. to run Mente up the Mente Mente score. manti tay Yet again, it's Mallard's Mound of Money, I and that is why we you. call it Mallard's Mound of Money. No, you're terrible in the game, Eddie. No, Take I, the I, L. How come you're I have one wins you? are terrible in the game. you just embarrassing stuff. Why Teo! I
1: Teo! more